Well, league lovers, we finally have liftoff. May 28th, that's a Thursday night, uh, less than 50 days away. The National Rugby League is set to uh, resume after it was postponed earlier this year. Zach Bailey joined by our fellow NRL.com reporters, Dan Walsh and Alicia Newton. Guys, it's the news we have all been waiting for from journos, players, administration, staff, also mainly our fans as well. Uh, Dan, it's an historic day. How did they come yeah. to this decision? Uh, let me just say, uh, if, if I could, I would be cartwheeling down the street. I can't, so I will stay here and just do a little fist pump. But, uh, but in terms of coming to this decision, it uh, wasn't easy, I'll say that for them. Um, but Peter Hollandis and the entire NRL executive the entire way through has always stressed that we need to get the game going as soon as it's safe again to do so. And because financially, it's just such an imperative. Um, the key thing that dictated this, though, was the evidence that the restrictions around Australia, specifically New South Wales and Queensland, are uh, you know, the infection rate of COVID is dropping. So just looking at some figures, um, what the NRL has been told, we've dropped down from 22% down to about 1.4 today, which is a big drop. And that's why Sydney is looming as basically the base for the NRL when it kicks off again on May 28. Uh, what it, they haven't worked out what it looks like beyond that, but the reason they're willing to go ahead is because the New South Wales government is giving them the indication that as long as you prove to us that you can keep everything isolated and contained and make sure that there isn't any sort of outbreaks of infection there, uh, the government will back them there. And so the NRL has said, right, this is our date. And now we go away and we work it all out as to what the competition looks like from there. And so that's where it goes next. All right, so the decision came after the uh, Innovations Committee dubbed Project Apollo met with the IRL Commission uh, today, which is Thursday, Alicia. Um, while she just mentioned there that we don't really know what the comp looks like, but one thing we do know is it looks like they're, they've basically squashed the idea of two conferences. Yeah, that's the case, uh, Zach, which, which is good because I think it just gives everyone that level of like a certainty that, that that's not the path that they want to go down. Whether they, you know, bring that back down the track just really depends on, I guess, where we go from here. But I don't know about you guys, but I'm just so relieved that there's a date being set and social media is just, you know, going berserk about it. There's, it's, there's great optimism and I can't imagine how, you know, the players would be feeling at this point um, to get to get a date locked in and, and something to just look, look ahead for. It's uncertainty that we just haven't had for for ages, for a couple of weeks now. It's felt like years. Yeah, when we were having those initial discussions after the uh, press conferences when Peter Volandis and Todd Greenberg uh, first fronted up, it felt like this moment could have been months away. So to have it within three or four weeks is remarkable. Uh, Dan, uh, you've uh, been in touch with the uh, Warriors today. Uh, what does this mean for the Warriors? Of course, they've been in lockdown, national lockdown over there, enforced by their government. Uh, are they still going to be part of this competition moving forward? Uh, they're going to do everything they can. What it means for the Warriors is they've got a, bit, a big decision to make pretty quickly, given the enormity of it. So the situation they're facing at the moment currently is for anyone who comes into Australia, which is obviously them, uh, you have to lock down in quarantine for two weeks. Um, so 
Well, the Warriors gave brief their players today after. So CEO Cameron George has sat in on the meetings with the NRL, all the phone hookups, uh, and then he's relayed the information across to the players. He said, go away, sleep on it, come back to Steve Kearney and the coaching staff and the senior players in the morning, and we'll work out where we go from there. So the thing for the Warriors is with a May 28 kickoff, which has been proposed at the moment, uh, Basically, with working backwards from that, you've got to have a two-week isolation period, right, where they are going to be on under strict lockdown, you know, minimal contact with each other, with any, no contact with anyone from the outside world, essentially. Uh, and so that means they can't train together. Now, there hasn't been a date set yet for when teams can return to training, but the general consensus is about three to four weeks before that May 28 date. And so that means teams will be uh, going back into training around the start of May. So for the Warriors to get on a par with 15 other teams and make sure they're not coming from too far behind and they're getting in the same amount of mini pre-season that uh, the other teams do, uh, they've got to, uh, if they're going to leave New Zealand and come across, uh, they've got to make that decision in the next week or so. And at the latest, be on a plane within two weeks across. So they're facing an extra month away from their families. And as far as actually making sure they can get on the plane and come into the country. Um, so the NRL still in negotiations with the New Zealand government, the Australian federal government, and then the various state governments as well as to what that looks like. But it sounds like they should be able to get out of New Zealand, which is the easiest part of it. Uh, Cameron George is confident about that. And then in terms of getting into Australia and basing themselves, that's still ongoing, but they shouldn't, it should be allowable to go ahead, which is how the NRL landed at a date for the competition. But for the Warriors players, especially guys like Peter Hicku, uh, you know, Paddy Herbert, they both had new babies in the last month. Uh, it's a huge decision coming up and not an easy one. Alicia, what do you think uh, those decisions would be like to make if you were a player right now having to go home and have that discussion with your wife, uh, with your partner, uh, with your kids? It'd be extremely tough to make. Oh, I can't, can't even imagine. And, you know, talking to guys like Chris Lawrence this week, Isaac Luke, um, they've, they've, all, they've all got families and, and they're all based in Australia. They can't imagine what, what the Warriors players are going through right now like it's I can't imagine the amount of discussions that are taking place between partners and 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 players and and just and just how it's going to work the players obviously know that that's where that's that's their job that's where they're going to get their income um but then there's also that that other level where where players are are their fathers as well they've they've got to go home and, and help in that in that way so uh, yeah, it's 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 a massive commitment, but I think most of the players are on board. Uh, I mean, I, I can definitely see a player pulling out. I think that's inevitable in in any for any club. If if it, if we went into isolation, and um, obviously we're not going to. I don't think anyone would look at a Warriors player any other way if he decided to to stay home. Like it'd be understandable in these circumstances. Yeah, I think that's right, Alicia. Um it does come down to the individual and what I was just going to say from the Warriors perspective, they're still committed to doing whatever they can to get themselves in this comp. Uh, 
but yeah, obviously some things are bigger than footy and they're not the only ones in this position either. Um, I saw that Mark Nichols at Souths, is, he's got a newborn on the way in May as well. And I think it comes down on you know, the due date is May 28. So there's obviously, there's 400 blokes here in it and, and then continuing that club staff and coaches and you know, officials and media and all the rest of it that are you know, facing these sort of situations. But yeah, the, the overwhelming sense is that uh, you know, this is a job and um, yeah, to get the game back on, this is what, we, what you have to do in some situations. Now, Dan, there's been plenty of talk, plenty of stories in the past few weeks about how the competition could look going forward, including a three-game uh, NRL Grand Final series. Uh, that has been squashed today. It'll be one-game Grand Final in Sydney. Do we know why? Uh, I think you can trace it back, I guess, to not wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And there's been an absolute cavalcade of ideas, uh, but it's still got to be the NRL, right? It's still got to be rugby league. And that was one of the briefs that the uh, the guys on this committee, the ideas committee have come in with. Guys like Don Ferner have said, at the end of the day, we need to keep the integrity of the competition at what it is at the moment. And so that's why we're seeing, but the main proposal put forward is one where, uh, teams play each other once and you know so you do get that regular home and away not so much home and away sorry but you do get a regular fairer structure to the season and so for a three game final series uh like grand final series sorry i think the idea is basically that if we can keep origin in its usual format in the middle of the middle of the season and we can keep the final series as it looks uh, that's what we're going to go with because that's what the NRL is at this stage. You don't want to muck around with too much stuff. And I think the three-game series was probably in that in that basket. And I dare say uh, the New South Wales government might have had something to say about it as well, given that they've got a long-term deal. I think it's a 20-odd-year deal with the NRL for hosting grand finals in Sydney. So it makes complete sense. Uh, to not lengthen the season when they're cutting down regular round games, just have it as it usually is a one-game series. Uh, you mentioned State of Origin there, Alicia. Um, it's going to be a three-game State of Origin series. Another fist pump for that. Yeah, uh, a win for the great rivalry that is State of Origin. Do we know whether it will be in the middle of the year at the end or early on before the season starts? Well, I guess it will be before the season starts, given the, the kickoff's going to be May 28th. Yeah, if we penciled in game one, that would have been around May 17, 18, something like that. So we would have already got past that. Uh, I love the idea of it being at the end of the year, actually going in order. You know, it, I don't think anyone's going to mind that that part of it. And, you know, leading into then, whether it be, you know, a grand final or post, post the NRL season at all, and then leading into possibly a kangaroos test match. So, um it's a great opportunity in that regard and, and also gives the competition time to possibly get a crowd in at the end of, you know, at, at the end of the year, the later it goes on, the more likelihood that, it, that crowds can return, which is obviously what we want. And you want to crowd it at Origin more than anything. Um, in my opinion, you know, grand final Origin, I think is the biggest, biggest draw point for that. And you also want players at their peak. You don't want them coming off this disrupted time where they're all training on their own. They're all as hungry as ever, I get it. But you also, on top of that, 
want players competing for positions. Uh, Dan, we spoke earlier this week, Val Holmes, he would have played two NRL games in 18 mm. months or so. And you know what? Probably will play himself into an Origin jersey, but it would have been a massive decision for Kevin Walters to make to throw someone like that in the deep end uh, straight away after two games if it was before the NRL season. Well, I think Kevy Kevy was ready to throw him in. Don't worry about that. But yeah, the point still stands. Yeah, it's a huge. It would have been a huge thing. Uh, and I get. Yeah, I think that's the reasoning why uh, Origin won't be definitely won't be starting the season, and there is credence to have it at the end. It's also because getting the getting the clubs back underway and trying to get some normality as much as possible. Uh, that's it's not a, it's not a bad shout and. I know Mal Meninga is a huge fan of having the um, having origin structured so that it leads into tests in terms of trying to build up the profile of the international game a little bit where you're prioritising, saying, okay, you make origin and then you make the Australian test. That's why we don't have the, uh, you know, the Anzac test anymore because you would see guys getting picked for Australia when, yeah, and then kind of preluding into origin and putting that you know, on a little bit more of a pedestal. Uh, it's worth a shout in terms of you know, putting, it, putting it at the back, but uh, that's one of the things that gets sorted out in the next round of discussions over the next week. And we, we often see that, you know, after a grand final, most of those players that are competing for both teams end up in the Australian team and we almost forget about the state of origin series you know, even happen when it comes to being picked for Australia. Whereas I think in this circumstance, we might actually see an Australian team picked from the Origin series and, and based off, you know, who's in form at that point, which we obviously wouldn't have been able to have any other times. So it's a great opportunity to see how it goes. Like, very innovative um, chance for them to, to, uh, to see what works, if it works. And just on the international game, uh, what time is it? I know that the uh, the International Rugby League Federation is meeting tonight, actually, via, you know, they're observing all the protocols and doing it via Zoom, of course, but it's probably going on or kicking off right now. And so Troy Grant, who's a member of the uh, Innovations Committee, he's the deputy head of that organisation. And he's spoken about you know, the possibility of getting some internationals in at the end. Of course, the NRL season will dictate that and you know, player workloads and whatnot. Uh, the proposed tour to the UK is unfortunately looking like it's just going to end up in the too hard basket with the international borders and you know, potentially and trying to travel to the UK and all that. But there's definitely an appetite to get some sort of internationals in at the end of the season. Uh, so they'll meet tonight and discuss potentially what they could look like and how you would go about doing it. Alicia, you've had your finger on the pulse regarding the women's game, the NRLW. Uh, what is the latest on that front? Yeah, it's it's been a pretty big week for the women's game. Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation around whether the NRLW will go ahead at the end of the year. And um, I guess a lot of it was based off whether the men's competition would restart. So I can't can imagine that, that this May 28 date definitely will help the women in that regard. I know that they... Um, are held in a high regard by the NRL and, and by the commission. So I'm expecting um, Origin to go ahead. Uh, that's just my gut feeling. And when that is, obviously that, that's penciled in for I think June 19. So it may not be that date, but again, at the end of the year, hopefully the girls are all keen to play. 
in regards to NRLW, it's, the Warriors are in a pretty similar boat. So whether they do compete in it uh, is another story. We've just got to wait and see how much, I guess, the NRL can help out financially to, to fund the clubs or, or which sort of avenue they go down. But there's a bit of innovation happening behind the scenes. So um, I'm expecting the women to get some sort of footy this year. But what that is, it, it's, it's in a very um, different boat at the moment. Uh, but yeah, overall, it's it's pretty good news. And, and Todd Greenberg and, and Clint Newton met with the girls on Monday like via video link and uh, pretty much said like, you know, nothing's off the table yet. Uh, don't read into too much speculation. We're still trying to uh, sort everything out. So but much better news than, than, you know, previous weeks where we just didn't know much. Yeah, positive news all around for our great game. Uh, the news today also, I guess, proves that... Uh, we will avoid the catastrophic scenario of first feared and reiterated by Peter Valandis, the RLC uh, chairman, in the early days of the COVID uh, pandemic when it struck our game and it was put on hold. Uh, and the NRL and RLC will continue over the next few days to hold um, discussions with broadcast uh, rights partners to work out a right still going forward. But for anything around that, the international game uh, that Dan referred to, the meeting going on there, the women's game and everything else, make sure you stay locked to nrl.com. We'll do our best to keep you all updated over the Easter long weekend. Uh, we spoke about player vibe last week and, and the overwhelming factor, I guess, or feeling from everyone, from all of our dealings was the fact that uh, the uncertainty or the unknown was what feared them the most. Dan, how do you think today's decision will impact the players? Well, mate, I reckon they'd be trying to cartwheel down the street with me as well. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's, I don't think you ever forget it, that these guys, they love footy as much as, as much as, if not more than anyone else. So, to have the the ability to get out on the paddock, and you know, to have the ability to get out and train and be out on the paddock, um, that'll just do, like it's. I don't. Yeah, you struggle to put they in might, words. They might be doing cartwheels tomorrow morning when they're down yeah, in the yeah, park. I, I think it's good for the core. Yeah. Uh, so I think yeah, having that day is just such a certain. So it would be an absolute relief. Uh, I forgot, and you know, there's guys who are coming off contracts in a couple of months. You know, that gives them a chance to show show their wares, and you know, they can basically go ahead and know that okay, we we there is a bit of there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Of this, not to put it you know, too far ahead of some other situations in society, but for them to know what the next couple of months might look like, that'd be huge. Uh, I know personally that knowing that could potentially, could potentially go and cover a game, uh, that's fantastic. I know I'm happy about it. Alicia, how did you find the mood of players this week compared to last week, even before the announcement of May 28th? Well, I think the player pay cut um, confirmation really cleared their heads as well. They, they knew what, what was the go there. So, um, yeah, a bit like Dan, once it all has been sorted now, like, there'd have to be huge relief and... Um, you know, I'm sure when we talk to players over the next week, um, it, it'll be that sort of the mind frame and focus will now switch to, okay, we've got 49 days to go now. You know, when do I start loading up? And if players have had, had a bit of a cruisy couple of weeks, well, they're, they're definitely going to start to 
to ramp it up now and get into their programs if they haven't already. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, as I said, it just has to be a positive, positive time for them at this point that at least they know that some things have, have been sorted. With a date set, it also means that players uh, battling injury will now know when they want to be fit by and they won't be uh, slackening off their rehab. So, Dan, when we look at our Chemist Warehouse Casualty Ward, uh, what is doing? Uh, well, now that we, yeah, again, that we have a date, uh, there's a bit doing, yeah. Uh, probably the biggest name that we're looking at would be Kieran Foran, who uh, you might remember, uh, dislocated shoulder playing for New Zealand, and there was a lot around whether you know, uh, whether there would be enough salary cap relief, whether the bloke's career could potentially be over because it could be a nine to 12 month recovery. Uh, the good news is Kieran's traveling well. Uh, he's able to, he's doing weights now and obviously he's under, um, you know, he's self-isolating at home, but uh, he should be able to get back into his training uh, when, when players and teams return. So Claus is looking at you know, something in the not too, he should be around, if not ready to go for you know, early June, not too long after. That's great news. Uh, what about other guys like Bronson Sherry uh, that we haven't seen in action? Yeah, so yeah, Cronulla obviously had uh, a few injury issues in the back line, especially at the start of the year. You had uh, Josh Dugan uh, undergoing all sorts of treatment for a knee that he was worried was gonna end his career. And uh, Bronson Cherry also coming back off uh, shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery and also uh, a, a groin cleanup as well. So Bronson will be right to go. Uh, and also, uh, Alicia, you spoke to Bronson about um, potentially having coronavirus at one point. Luckily, <laughs> the bloke was, uh, yeah, the, the test came back negative. So Bronson will be absolutely right to go. Josh Dugan, the time off, can only help for his injury as well. And uh, the other name that does stand out to me at the moment is um, Reed Marnie, who had a foot fracture and hasn't been played up, hasn't come out too much. But at one point there was a fear his season might have been over, which would be a huge blow for Parramatta. Uh, you know, it's quite a, he's a rising young hooker, but he's had surgery at the start of the week, I believe. And he's also looking probably not like May 28, if that's, that's probably a bit too early, but he would only be a fortnight or so away from returning to the pitch as well. So, yeah, there's a few guys with something to aim for now. And, yeah, again, it's just, it'll be great to have them back along with everyone else. And hopefully we see uh, Matt Moylan, another Shark, back on May 28. I think he was earmarked for about around six or so return, which would have passed uh, by then. Uh, we've got to keep uh, moving on. Uh, the Simply the Best campaign that we've got going at the moment where fans can vote uh, for their for the best player in each position over the last 30 years since Tina Turner's iconic uh, campaign. Uh, as voted by fans this week, the fullbacks, uh, believe it or not, the battle uh, came down to Darren Lockyer and Billy Slater. And Billy the Kid won and was deemed the best fullback for the past 30 years. Uh, we had more than 108,000 fans voting online at nrl.com and, and on the official NRL Instagram and Facebook accounts. Uh, to get Slater's reaction, uh, you can see that at nrl.com. Uh, but this week, uh, tomorrow, Friday at midday, uh, we launch our wingers poll. The candidates, uh, Nathan Blacklock, Hazamel Masri, Michael Hancock, Brett Morris, Matt Rogers, Wendell Saylor, Matt Singh, Lottie Takiri, Manu Vatuve and Rod Wishart, the great 
that you supply for New South Wales. Uh, Dan, 30 seconds. Uh, sell to me, who is your pick? Oh, it's, you said Dan. Yep. <laughs> it's got to be Wendell. Uh, I can't lie. I needed a rugby league fix last night. Clocked on to the 2001 Elimination Semi, where it was Wendell Saylor's second last game in uh, rugby league before he went to the Union. Uh, the bloke ran in four tries and Amos Roberts is still under his wheels. Incredible performance, summed up a decade in the game there and he came back again and had a couple of handy years with the uh, with the Dragons. So it's got to be the Dell. Alicia? I'm, I'm going to go a bit left field. Uh, I spoke to Jamie Soud the other day and he told me about Brett Morris. Obviously 160 odd tries and I have to agree with him. Brett Morris would be one winger, the other... You know what, Manu Vadavai running over the top of people. I miss seeing him in the game. Um, and he was pretty prolific. So, a bit left field. I don't know how that will go. But um, plenty of candidates there. And, again, you only have to look at the omissions to know. Um, Mad Dog of... McDougal missed out. How did he miss out? Seriously. You know, Merit, Tahu, Radradra. Um, yeah, I think if Semi, if Semi had have hung around the last couple of years, he definitely would have been in that candidate list. I, believe it or not, went, I had the battle, I, did, I was doing the figures between Brett Morris and Wendell Saylor. Uh, and I, I think I'm with you, Dan. I think Wendell, just because of the, the, the dominance in terms of how powerful he was um, back in the day playing for the Broncos and the fact that he came back and had a couple of seasons with uh, the Dragons as well. Um, remember, you can vote each week. Uh, the polls go out each Friday. We'll go through all nine positions. Then the coaches, uh, 10 nominees per category. You can vote at nrl.com. And then the 10 nominees will be trimmed to the final two candidates the following Wednesday, where you can then vote on the NRL Instagram and Facebook accounts to decide who is simply the best. All right, guys, uh, before I let you both go, what was uh, your highlight of this week just gone? Apart from today and getting lift off, knowing uh, May 28 is the date. Uh, so I've been uh, given a bit of permission by the bosses to delve back into the archives over the last couple of weeks. And I got to relive one of the all-time uh, great performances, Joey John's 2005 Game 2. It was streamed live last night on NRL.com. And uh, just remembering how how bloody good Joey was, was just so much fun. And talking to guys who played alongside him, Danny Badiris, Michael Hagen, who got to coach him and then effectively had his origin coaching career ended by Joey. <laughs> and going back through that game was just great fun. And yeah, when you can't watch it live, that was about the next best thing. Yeah, I tuned in last night as well on NRL.com. Uh, Alicia, what was the highlight of your week? Look, it has to be, I'm going to stick with the women's side of things. I've been talking to the Jillaroos coaching staff of late and they've like they've all been stood down and, you know, a lot of them are employed by the NRL. And um, to hear that they're still doing stuff behind the scenes and organising plenty of Zoom chats. I had a guest speaker today with some of the girls talking about resilience. Like that sort of stuff is pretty inspiring that they're... Um, you know, they're still working hard and they've got that 2021 World Cup goal in mind. So nothing changes from their end. So I think that's that kind of keep, keeps me going as well, knowing that there's people out there that are doing it tough, but also essentially working for free still. So it's, um yeah, it's inspiring. 
Yeah, well said. Uh, the uh, highlight of my week last week was Dan Walsh's haircut. Uh, and sticking <laughs> with that theme, uh, I interviewed Sean Johnson today, who uh, looks more like Eminem uh, than anyone else. But uh, all the players that have done their blonde hair and the dye, I'm enjoying the players take, you know, taking up challenges, whether it's ugly haircuts, um, shaving their head like Dan, dyeing it blonde. Um, so make sure uh, our listeners out there tune in uh, tomorrow to listen to what Sean Johnson has to say about how he got the idea. He didn't even get challenged to do it. He just did it. Um, but anyway, he's always a great sport. So that was a lot of fun. So, uh, But as he said, he might be in some trouble now because uh, with the comp six, seven weeks away, he might not be able to grow out in time. So he's a little bit worried about that. Uh, Dan, you mentioned the classic uh, games. There was origin matches, uh, origin match um, last night, and there will be every Wednesday going forward. Then we have a Telstra fan-voted classic match every Thursday. Uh, tonight will be the West Tigers and Roosters, if you listen to this quickly enough. Then we have a classic match Friday, Saturday as well. Sunday, cannot wait for this one, the grand final classic match, 2005 grand final vintage Benji Marshall for the West Tigers up against the North Queensland Cowboys. And then we're in for a treat for this Easter long weekend, uh, Easter Monday at 4 p.m., you can uh, stream this one. It was an absolute classic. I was out there at ANZ Stadium. Uh, 2014, round seven, the Eels against the West Tigers. So no doubt you guys will be uh, tuned into all those live streams. You can watch it on NRL.com, YouTube and Facebook. Guys, thanks for joining me once again. It's a better week this week than last as we have a date, May 28. As I said, less than 50 days until we see uh, the NRL back in action. Hopefully next Thursday or whenever we catch up again, uh, we will have more good news. But in the meantime, do those cartwheels in the morning, Dan, when you get out and about at the park. Steer clear, of course, of everyone else. And to all our fans out there, thanks for joining us and listening once again. Uh, it's been great to have your support and uh, good luck over the next couple of weeks or so until footy returns. 